My name is Omid Echnemai. I'm the managing director of PTV Group here in Asia Pacific. The way we organize ourselves in, in, uh, in the world is we have uh, four regions in Europe, in North America, in, in America, in um, Middle East, in Africa, and in Asia Pacific. Here we have four offices in uh, Sydney, in Tokyo, in Shanghai, and of course here in Singapore. Uh, and we are very much involved in, in discussions with various authorities about how we can add value to the operation and, and to make cities. Hello, I'm Chong Li. I'm working with Volkswagen Group. I'm part of the corporate strategy team and I'm responsible for urban solutions, which means it's a question about how Volkswagen Group can engage best with cities on mobility. I'm very humbled to be here. Um, I'm the uh, Transport Technology Director of uh, Melbourne University and uh, Funding Director of AIMS. And the background is Transport uh, and Civil Engineering. And uh, I've been working in industry in the consultancy and recently university, so very pleased to be here. My name is Martin Huber. I'm Head of Transport and Roads in Hamburg. We will host uh, the 2021 um, ITS World Congress. You'll all be there, I hope so and you see what we are doing in Hamburg. Good afternoon, my name is Randy Iwasaki, and I'm the executive director of the Contra Costa Transportation Authority, so I come from California. We have 58 counties in California, and I reside in, in one of the 58. We'd be of a population of about 1.4 million people. We'd be the 43rd largest state of the union. The Contra Costa Transportation Authority, we use sales tax. We're sales tax authority to fund transportation projects and programs. We're a staff of 20. We contract out about 95% of our work. We're also the congestion management agency for our county, so we measure congestion at about 140 different locations. And we do that to make a, a biannual congestion management report to make sure that our investments are paying dividends. And then lastly, uh, we founded the largest secure autonomous vehicle test bed in the United States, Gomentum Station. And so will kind of lean towards self-driving vehicles eventually, and if it does, I, I have some answers for some of the questions that Paul may throw my way. Randy Abbas uh, Mohadis here, president of the Econolite Group. Uh, Econolite is a traffic management uh, company. Uh, we do everything from uh, uh, planning uh, to policy, uh, design, implementation of traffic control. Uh, we manufacture uh, traffic control apparatus as well as uh, traffic management software. Uh, 850 uh, staff headquartered in uh, California. Uh, we also have a subsidiary in Canada. Charles uh, Thoth, uh, CEO of uh, Econolite Canada, is uh, with us as well. Uh, of course, uh, in many of our projects and uh, cities that we worked with, uh, they use uh, simulation. Uh, so uh, this is uh, quite enlightening uh, to hear the presentation and uh, impact of uh, simulation, modeling, and predictive uh, algorithms. So delighted to be here. I first came across Optima when I ran an article on it written by one of Omid's uh, uh, colleagues, Devrim Kara, who runs the United Kingdom uh, area of PTV. And I just read, when I read the article, I wondered why every city in the world wasn't already using Optima. It struck me as an absolute no-brainer to, to load level uh, the uh, 
uh, congestion on the roads as much as possible by taking it off the uh, the busy roads and moving on to others and then to mitigate against accidents and incidents before the effects actually really take control. Um, so I'll start off by asking Randy because he's at the sharp end in a transportation authority. Randy, why when Omid showed that list of, uh, of examples of cities using Optima, was it only numbering sort of 15? Why aren't more organisations, more uh, cities actually implementing it now? Well, if you talk about implementing a decision support system and analytics and software packages, there are different vendors that offer that, that technology. So where that showed maybe 15, I think in, in our case in the Bay Area, we funded out of proposition, so I used to work for the state, Caltrans, and we developed a $20 billion bond initiative back in 2009, Prop 1B. It generated about $20 billion for transportation designed to deal with congestion in the state of California. And, and one of the projects that lasted through the vetting process was a smart corridor along Interstate 80. And so that project it was an integrated corridor management project because we have these highly, highly congested corridors. And so we wanted to balance the congestion on the main line as well as on local arterials. The only thing we didn't do into that project because we ran out of money was put a DSS or a decision support system. All the modeling that had to be done to make sure that the intersections could handle that capacity. But I think there's some great examples in San Diego, Dallas, Texas, where we have ICM projects. So it's not just it should be proliferated more, but a lot of the local agencies barely have enough money to maintain what they have, let alone go in and, and start adding more technologies to their existing systems. Some extreme cases, there's, you're still using technology that, that won't support uh, systems like this. So um, our tendering was too early. It's quite as simple as that. Um, we, we did it in 2012. Optima didn't exist then. So uh, it wasn't part of the offer. <laughs> so, but we are using those instruments from PDV naturally. It's Wisum and other um, software instruments that are part of our modeling. And I'm sure we will continue uh, with this instrument and we find a way to get in it. Um, because it's, um, uh, our traditional modeling isn't allowing those simulation uh, things that uh, we have learned you, uh, you are doing now. And it's very important to simulate um, in order to, uh, to be able to act. Still our people who are running the, the, the construction fields, they are deciding like that. It, okay, it will do, it will not do, we can't, uh, we can. So, and so it ends up often, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and people don't understand why did they do it. So that's um, the reason why things happen the way they do. But we have to become better. I always compare this to medicine. Um, when I was a, a young boy, uh, sometimes the doctor used to um, to listen a bit the heartbeat, and that was all. Today, you are examined, blood, uh, you are radioed and echoed, and whatever it happens, and the treatment is better. And we sh we have to be that exact with transport. We can't leave it. Um, we can't leave it as it was in the 50s. We have to be better in diagnosis. Then we will be better in treatment. Really interesting comment I want to pick up on that, Martin, which was that you said it wasn't in the tender in 2012. And is that something that actually is holding back 
the way we can implement really good transport solutions by the fact that often what our industry is doing is responding to tenders that are put out with specific requirements rather than asking for outcomes. Abbas, maybe you could pick up on this because your, your entire job is about delivering uh, and winning contracts with, uh, with cities and municipalities. How much room is there for you to actually put innovation and initiative into your bid and how much are you simply answering the exam questions that the uh, authority is asking you to answer? That's a, a great question, uh, Paul. Uh, you know, I, I make one observation uh, in that the planning uh, uh, software that the many agencies that we work with uh, use uh, is primarily the traditional multi-step transportation planning where they uh, rely on historical data. Uh, it is uh, now um, just the, in the recent years that many agencies are, uh, uh, are using real-time data. Uh, for example, what was uh, discussed earlier, uh, uh, Omid was talking about uh, using real-time data in order to uh, come up with predictive algorithm. Uh, that is just gradually getting into our uh, industry and uh, it is getting traction quite a bit because it truly is now showing results. But it is only till recent. Uh, we really didn't have access uh, to the opportunity to not only take advantage of uh, historical data but to be able to also blend it in with real time and be able to say, rather than, hey, this afternoon it is gonna rain, to be able to say, well, you know, not only it is gonna rain, uh, this rain is gonna impact your travel 11 minutes between 3 and 3.30 p.m. That is the kind of information and quality and accuracy of the data that would empower a public agency to truly make those decisions. So that is fairly recent. So we are gradually seeing those in the request for proposals, Paul, that you mentioned. Uh, but it is, uh, I would predict, uh, going to get a, a rather accelerated traction. Uh, we are seeing it now. Uh, the way the funding works in, in many of agencies that we work with, they have to plan it, they have to fund it. It typically takes a few years before uh, we get to see it, but we are seeing it now. Uh, RFPs that come up with area-wide traffic management, they have a major component in simulation. They have a major component in, in predictive uh, algorithms, and, and that's really what uh, we now need to see in traffic operations. So I would predict that we would see it uh, quite, quite more as, as we go forward. Yeah, from my personal experience, uh, the, the quality of traffic information that is available now, the data of, of real-time, what's happening on the roads, is unrecognisable to when I started running a radio traffic news uh, operation 20 years ago. And I'm genuinely, this is no word of a lie, 
we gathered our information on some really major highways by calling gas stations and roadside diners, asking them to look out of the window and tell us if the traffic was flowing. So, of course, you couldn't model in real time on that in any way, shape or form. Um, but I want to ask Ahmed, um, Ahmed, when you mentioned about the 3,000 uh, cities that rely on PTV software, I presume that's for the longer-term transport planning. Are the majority of the people who are using your software the people planning for the next 10, 20 years rather than those who are sitting in the traffic control room? And how do we get those people who probably barely speak to each other about talking last night's soccer match to actually work together, realising that what's happening in 20 minutes probably has a lot of the similar maths to what's going to happen in 20 years. That's a great question, uh, Paul. Um, you know, historically, I would say our uh, users are planners, right? So they are uh, those who use uh, strategic modelling tools or demand modelling tools, but also operational. But as you said, the, the real value is once we get people to talk to each other. And I, I would say it's not a secret that this hasn't been the case all the time. Uh, and I, when I speak with, with governments, they say, they say two reasons for it. One is there, there is an organizational reason for it, that people don't communicate because they are basically there's, there's, there's a division between planning, but also if people don't want to talk together, there isn't any tool that integrate cross organizations. And that is, that is really important that uh, we, we think about technologies and tools that help actually people integrate their plans. So you have one side planners who plan, for example, public transport and those who actually are operating and they are managing the day-to-day -day operation. But uh, you, don't, they, you don't know if you want, for example, if you're dealing with pollution or environmental uh, air quality, what do you need to do? Does, if you add a tram line, is it going to help or not? Or if you, if you, have, uh, if you add a different uh, mode of uh, uh, public transport, is it going to help with some congestion or not? There is no decision support that can tell you, uh, other than having a holistic technology that you can implement and can answer these questions. That's what we're trying to do, by the way. That's what we're doing. We're trying to put together platforms that can help uh, uh, organizations and authorities basically work cross-organizations uh, so that we can find really good answers to questions. I'm just going to ask a simple question of Chong sitting next to you, which is, you're from VW. Just explain to me why any of this discussion actually matters to you because traditionally motor manufacturers built the cars and then when the salesman waved the new customer away from the car showroom, he hoped he'd come back in a year's time to get it serviced and apart from that didn't really care what was done with the car in the meantime. What's changed? Um, I think you mentioned two questions, right? I mean, the first question is, why is it relevant for us? And the second thing is, um, what are we doing? I think the first question, why is it relevant for us, is um, especially in Europe or in Germany right now, we have really emotional discussions on mobility, urban mobility. 
um, big in the news, big on TV. And um, our understanding is that as often in city is a top three problem for citizens. So we have to do something because our products are based on the mobility or part of the mobility. Uh, and so what we think is that um, emotional discussion shows the, the importance of mobility, but um, it's not a good base to take decisions. Uh, so everything which helps to get um, analytics in or like a fact-based decision um, into this discussion helps. And therefore, we see the simulation or PDB products really as a help. That, that's a good thing. And the second question was, like, what are we doing? Are we, are we caring about the car which is being used? Yes, we do. <laughs> and um, we, are, we are transforming right now. So we're transforming the base business, which means we are right now going to invest 30 billion euros until 2023 into e-mobility to help on the emissions for, for, for sure. But we're not stopping there. We're going uh, into the direction of helping on other areas too. Uh, one example is we have a very important partnership with Hamburg um, where we really try to understand where can we contribute on, on other topics. You know, let it be congestion, let it be technology, etc. And that's where we are heading to, step by step. And Majid, you live and work in what is regularly named the world's most livable city. And one of the reasons for that is because getting around Melbourne is actually quite straightforward. It's, it's quite a pleasant thing to do to take the trams and then right in the city centre where the trams are even free. Um, you're, you obviously study mobility. I know I said I wanted to look at the here and now, and please don't go off onto mobility as a service or driverless cars. Um, I want to know what, actually, if we're starting to scratch the surface of using systems like Optima to actually make our road system, our transport system, far more uh, uh, efficient, what, this must be the tip of the iceberg. How far could we actually go? Um, that's a very uh, good question. Um, before I answer that, if you may uh, allow me, I want to touch um, on what you ask about innovation, why cities not using, for example, Optima more often. Uh, I think um, I think uh, is, is is a is a is a common problem everywhere, you know. Um, and the reason for it is that if government uh, keep uh, using the standard method of procurement, they can only buy what is today available in the market. So for innovation, that doesn't work. Um, and, and, and for example, in Melbourne, we have $3 billion uh, um, tender um, that government want to put out about the smart road, how to improve you know, the efficiency of transport system, as Omid mentioned, you know, get more out of what we have today. But, but this tender has been stopped three times. And the question was asked by the, by the you know, um, uh, government and the ministers was, can you guarantee this technology in two years going to be valid? And nobody can address that because it's a lot of risk. Um, so one of the way that uh, I know in our project we decided to help the government was you know to provide this uh, place that they can uh, play and fail fast, and also reducing the risk of failing by participating in a, you know innovation with others. So I think that m- might be a, a lesson for other cities, uh, you know, to take that uh, that to, to account. Uh, coming back to your question, I, I reckon definitely things like. Optimal can uh, provide significant improvement, um, uh, but as Omid was mentioning, you know, if we can consider a total solution, is very important because government, uh, you know, is responsible for providing a service to citizen, and, and I think what is matter for them is, you know, 
uh, what they can put forward that uh, be holistically helping everybody. You know, you mentioned about Melbourne is a great city. Absolutely. For people living in the center, a lot of public transport available. But for a lot of people like me living a little bit outside, you know, it's a bit, uh, you know, less rosy. So, uh, you know, this multimodality is very important. You know, everybody getting uh, the same thing is something that is very challenging. Randy, um, fail but fail fast. Is that something that you're able to do in Contra Costa? Yes, thank you for, for asking that question. I have a board member in the back, Dave Hudson, and so he can validate whether or not he just he stepped in. So thank you, Commissioner, for showing up. I appreciate that. So you can validate everything I say. I have two comments. One is we talked about smart cities. So PTV, I mentioned before, we haven't used them. However, we're, we're copying a project. We have a seven-pronged approach on Interstate 680, which is mirrored after Vic Roads, what, what they did on one of their, their major arterials, where they, they actually have managed traffic using decision support systems. And staff from PTV has been in our office many times. I just want to mention that, although we haven't, we, we are looking at that. So we're copying some of the best ideas that we can find in the world, because we're lucky enough to be able to get out and take a look at some of the, the best projects, the best results in the world. And so thank you, Commissioner, for allowing staff to travel around the world. The other piece is, you know, where data is being used, and I agree 100% on the procurement process. Normally what you do is, is you go out and say, I want the widget that does exactly this, and by the time the tender is done, you're getting a widget that did exactly this, except for they've gone beyond that now and you're buying old technology and, and from the public sector and you have to, you have to buy that. So we're, we're proposing building a $3.6 billion, 35-year half-cent sales tax on top of the existing sales tax that we have now. And there's some components in there that, that I think we're very, well, I know we're very proud of. One is we're trying to make project selection performance-based. So one of the things that when we talk about modeling, the reason why we're so interested in using different modeling techniques, trying to project out over 30 years of how that technology is going to help us, is because those long-range plans, you develop your capital improvement programs. And so God forbid if we're selecting a project to widen uh, a road in, in Melbourne, which takes you 30 years, by the time you, you start putting the uh, contractor to work, you don't need it anymore. So you've wasted all that money all that time and you could have taken those dollars and invested in PTV software of the future, but you didn't because a lot of, unlike Mr. Hudson, a lot of elected officials love to see dirt turn, dust, you know, noise and all that. And they don't see that when you, you have a procurement of a technology. It's quiet, it's implemented very quickly. The results are a little bit different. And so we're gonna do project selection based on performance, which is gonna require us to have better data. Our performance criteria in California getting more and more stringent with the environment. So you've got Assembly Bill 32, Senate Bill 32, which requires a greenhouse gas reduction goal. Uh, Senate Bill 743 requires a VMT mitigation program, vehicle miles traveled. And so we have to take a look at projects that are gonna create VMT. If you're gonna widen a freeway, that's VMT increasing. A lot of latent demand is created. And so what we're trying to do is say, okay, if those projects are needed, we're going to have to balance that with VMT mitigating projects. And so we're of the mind that most of our projects are going to be more on the VMT mitigating and try to densify growth. And so in our proposed measure, about 55% of the dollars are going to be invested in transit, bike, ped, 
and others in, in our subway system, and that is going to help us with VMT. So I think the world is changing, at least from California perspective and a Contra Costa Transportation Authority, but it's going to require better data to make better decisions on things that we haven't done. So in our measure, we're pro proposing a VMT mitigation plan. So Mr. Hudson says, what is that? I said, I don't know yet. We haven't figured it out because nobody else has done it. And so we're trying to figure this stuff up as we go, but I think we're going in the right direction. Would, would you agree, Commissioner? See. So Abbas, um, you must, as we say, come across all this frustration all the time of being asked to do something that you can do, but you could do so much more. And I mentioned real-world examples. Um, is there stuff that Econolite is doing in some places and would love to do in others, but can't because it hasn't been asked and there's no box on the tender document to fill in, we could also do this if you let us? Uh, that's, uh, again, another great question. So uh, different metros uh, uh, that we work with have uh, uh, different levels of progressiveness, if you will, when it comes to uh, application of technology, when it comes to uh, how much risk they are uh, willing to take. Uh, the ones that we are impressed with is... Uh, uh, those cities that uh, make a strong correlation of uh, congestion and mitigation to economic development, they realize that uh, this is not the only, uh, of course, to satisfy the constituencies and redu reduce travel time, uh, but realizing that the, uh, a smarter city would become a more livable city and becomes more affordable uh, city, uh, and, and therefore, uh, it's a smarter city. Uh, this whole notion of multimodalism um, uh, is, is helping quite a bit. And I would echo what, uh, what Randy indicated uh, about uh, this, this holistic approach of uh, uh, really getting the uh, elected officials uh, understanding and fully supporting uh, the ultimate goal that uh, we just cannot uh, do these incremental activities. We have to make bold moves and uh, simulation, use of test beds uh, to be able to uh, help us uh, plan uh, uh, for, for long-term activities. Uh, I'll give you some specific examples. Uh, uh, we have uh, uh, Bay Area uh, in California. Uh, where uh, Randy is residing. Uh, there are many progressive activities. Uh, when you think of uh, Gomentum, uh, this is uh, a very progressive uh, test area uh, where agencies and OEMs and others could actually test. Uh, it's a great that that is done there. Well, they could use it elsewhere. Uh, we see um, uh, cities, metros like Miami, uh, like uh, Nashville, uh, Tennessee, uh, like Houston, Texas, as an example. These are relatively good-sized uh, metros uh, that uh, are, are on the progressive side. Uh, they, they don't mind to try a new technology, uh, something that, uh, uh, that is new. We uh, are just implementing a new uh, traffic control strategy in uh, Houston. Uh, well, it's a, it's a large metro, and, and it is risky uh, to, to do that. But realize that the, uh, 
uh, if it had, and therefore they would uh, use it and move on. Uh, so uh, what helps us uh, as an organization is that we try to work with those progressive agencies uh, that are willing to take a risk, uh, realizing that as a public agency, safety or the, their constituents is extremely important, so they have to really do calculated risk. But at the same time, many agencies look up to those, uh, you know, when Contra Costa does something, so will 20 other agencies. Uh, so it becomes uh, uh, more acceptable to those agencies to take that risk and therefore realize the benefits. Uh, so uh, what we like to do is work with those progressive agencies because we see that the snowball. Is there an issue? I'll, I'll actually ask uh, Martin um, as a city. So is there an issue, first of all, that there's a rush to be second. No city wants to be the first to do something in case it doesn't work. But if they watch, watch another city do it, then there's almost a, uh, th th they can justify it. To, uh, either the po politicians can or they can justify it to the politicians. Well, they're doing it, so we thought we would do it too. So is there still that risk uh, aversion that exists in cities? And the second question is that if I were to come and pitch Optima, to you, just we're using Optima purely because it was the um, description at the beginning from Omid, but it could be any um, uh, solution. That if I come and pitch, it will reduce congestion. If you reduce congestion by a certain amount, that's very nice, it helps the economy, but nowhere on your budget, on your accounts, are you getting a credit for reduced congestion. If I pitched, well, I can reduce emissions by 15% and therefore air quality is better, there's probably a target there that you're going to be ranked against. So have we as an industry, an ITS industry, not been making the most of what our benefits really are, which are actually road safety and uh, air quality improvements? So let me start with your first question. Do we want to be second? I can only answer for Hamburg. We want to be first and we will be first. This is our goal and this is our aim and we are working hard to get there. And uh, we want to be model urban area in Germany and perhaps in Europe. Well, London is miles ahead, but <laughs> and even Karlsruhe because there are some more um, uh, sharing uh, vehicles. But uh, we are really uh, on, on our way. We are here because we are uh, really uh, not struggling, we are really striving hard uh, to do so. I think in Hamburg we are a little bit similar to Singapore because we are a city-state and we are going ahead, we don't wait for others. So, um, second question, is there a reward system? No, there isn't, naturally there isn't because we are, uh, we are all governmental authorities, uh, more or less, and but we have, uh, naturally we have goals and we are following those goals. We, we will reduce uh, environmental impacts. We have to find the instruments and we have to use those instruments. And we will use analytics and we will have to use simulation and we will have to use traffic management and we will have to do it in a better way. But 
I, I really loved what you said before, Paul, because it was so true. It's only recent that we uh, we slowly start to have the instruments to to have this analysis. It's only it's only uh, the last three years that we have those floating car data. Uh, we have those beacons. It's only uh, they are just uh, on their way to be. Admitted by the by the authorities, you if you have red lights, uh, it's still red light. It's not on air for 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 machines. Those systems have to be uh, developed, and we have to be safe. And they will come into into commerce only now. So uh, we will we will all be um, witnesses of a um, not a revolution. It's not a revolution, but it's, it's a complete changement in all these things. And I love the software, but we mustn't use the software for putting even more cars in the streets, as you see there. We have at the same time, with less traffic, um, it, it should be uh, run smoother. That's my opinion. But uh, this is uh, approaching a political question, uh, which is not my side. Of it. But I'm going to break the panel discussion from me just asking questions and actually now ask the panel to pick up and make any comments themselves that they might like to um, to, to bring the discussion forward. I just wanted to make one observation and touch on what, what Majid said. You see, we, we, we see, and, and yes, of course, data is fueling this uh, ITS and uh, this is now becoming more and more available. And it's the availability, but also the cost of data. So what we do with Optima, we cannot do without real-time real data. Of course, we need, we are very data hungry. And that data is now starting to become more and more available. But there is also another element, and Majid touched on it. Uh, we see not, that's not just real-time traffic management, but also in other areas like AVs, that Industry is, is waiting to see what technologies actually government uh, adopt. Uh, signals, for example, is, is one example that comes to mind because, because of the cost of adoption to industry is very high. On the other hand, authorities are also waiting for industry to see what, what, uh, what experience they are making and which one is better, what issues they are, what risks they are involved. So in a way, it becomes a chicken-egg problem, right, that they are waiting. And I think universities here play a key role. And, and I commend Majid for, for having done what he has done, because that takes the risk out of it. And I think universities around the world can be instrumental in that, in setting up, because they're independent, they have the knowledge and they can, they can basically test drive a lot of technologies and provide the results to both industry but also to policy makers. Um, I just want to pick up on what Martin Huber said a little bit. So what I hope is that CDC really clear on the problems yeah, and that they do the check on what they need. Uh, and if they check on what they need, um, I hope that they're very clear on is it a strategic thought or like a strategic aspect or is it a concrete solutions, um, what they need? And then I hope that they're very straightforward on, on, on the market research, that they really pick on and go straightforward for a solution, what they do. 
And that's how we structure our activities right now. So if it's a thinking problem, we have um, a small consultancy which can help on thinking. If it's, uh, um, it's a concrete solution they need, we have a small portfolio. Yeah? We can't solve every problem, but we have something which we have to offer. And I hope that um, this process, based on really fact-driven analysis, is being driven by cities right now. Really, so what is my problem? Is it a strategic one, a concrete solution? And then just, just keep pushing on it. Yeah. I think uh, based on my experience and uh, uh, what we have done, uh, hands-on experience with uh, what can you really do, um, I, think, I think the king uh, for uh, every city around the world uh, to be able to improve the transport system in a significant way uh, are, are two things. One is that they need to um, um, connect the silos uh, across the transport system and infrastructure. That's uh, very easy to said than done. Um, so the multimodality infrastructure, uh, sort of you know integration is a very important thing, uh, because you, you said don't touch mobility as service. Mobility as service happen only if you have this. Otherwise, forget about it. The second, the second thing is the connectivity come first, and automation come after that. So I mean, this is uh, this is my uh, two dollars kind of you know uh, <laughs> summary of what I can uh, talk about based on experience. Yeah, uh, and so you very much when you talk about connectivity and and then there is a long gap autonomous vehicles and so it's uh, very important that uh, while we, you know, we, we can't get the autonomous bit until all the other building blocks are in place. Back to what the question that Martin was asked, we'll compete with anybody in the world at the, the authority and so our, our board allows us, we have a very good synergy, we're a public agency and generally my old adage is public employees work to keep their jobs, there are very few that try to work themselves out of a job. But when you look at those, those agencies, when the people are trying to work themselves out of a job, you see a lot of innovation. And so we competed uh, nationally for uh, innovation grant uh, from USDOT, and we were one of the 10 recipients, and we were the only one. The idea that we're using is because the landscape of, of mobility is changing, it has to be adaptable. So it's number one, the USDOT made us agree it's open architecture. So you can put modules into a platform and make it expand out or contract because in, in the United States, unlike some countries, what works in Dallas may not necessarily work in Contra Costa County or the Bay Area because it's a little bit different. And so we want flexibility, we want open arch architecture. So that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it where it's open architecture, it's portable to other agencies in the future. And so USDOT uh, granted us $8 million and we're gonna put a almost $20 million proposal together to try to make sure we deal with how do we make sure that our platform we develop today is relevant tomorrow. We have pulled the public in building our expenditure plan to our, on our proposal to increase sales tax in our county and congestion ranks number one. And so congestion is, is an, so I used to work for Caltrans for 27 years and I've worked at my current job for 10. Congestion is a, is a, a weird animal, if you will. There, there are congestion caused by roads that are too not enough capacity, and then there are, that's about 50% in California. The other fit, and we have some pretty high levels of congestion in California. I'm glad I work in Contra Costa County now because I used to have to deal with Los Angeles and the whole Bay Area, and I only have to worry about one county, and it's, it's bad in our county. And the other is non-recurrent. It's, it's because you have these special issues. So, so when you analyze from what the public says is we're gonna, we're gonna, you, we want you to focus in on congestion, you gotta go to the root causes. And so there's more than just, a majority of the non-recurrent congestion is accidents. Some of it's weather, some of it's Super Bowl special events, but a lot of it's accidents. 
And the other part of congestion that we're working on now is jobs housing balance. And so we have an imbalance of jobs in Contra Costa County where our, our residents have to move somewhere else or drive somewhere else in order to, to go to work. And they all go to work at the same time in the morning and on, head south on Interstate 680, go get these great jobs in the Silicon Valley, and they all leave at 5 o'clock and they head north through his community of San Ramon. It takes you over an hour and a half to go 12 miles. So he has to leave an hour and a half early to, meet, to get to our, his board meeting in our office by 6 o'clock. And so we're, we're, we're trying to, and then we have a very high increase statistically on distracted drivers. So we, add, we love this technology, but this technology is taking our attention away from the things that we should be doing. The highest increase percentage-wise in the United States on fatalities is um, pedestrians and bicycles. And so we have a multifaceted, so when you talk about congestion relief and safety, they go hand in hand. Um, but you've got to look at the root causes and try to use technology to avoid those and try to mitigate some of that. And so we're working on a multitude of different things. We'll keep you informed in the future, but we're trying to bring jobs to Contra Costa County. We're trying to increase safety. Our fatality rate in the United States is going the wrong direction. It's going up. That's because a lot of people are working. And so stay tuned. We're going to try to develop a multifaceted approach to dealing with that issue. Uh, yeah, Dave Hudson, Contra Costa Transportation Authority. I heard it and I had to speak up. What do you do when something crashes and the press and others are all over you. I can tell you that Randy and I stood in DOT or Federal Highway so early in the morning I couldn't keep track of them. And we were asked the same question. I'd love to be there when one of these things crashes, what are you going to say? The response was immediate. That's easy. It was my fault. Elected officials are a dime a dozen. I mean, I paid more money to get here than I make in a month as an elected official in San Ramon. Then they ask Randy, I'll get behind these things. The first time some CEO in Silicon Valley gets in the back seat of an autonomous vehicle and goes up Highway 1. Without batting an eye, Randy said, I'll do it right now. You have to be committed to what you're going to do. You don't know what you don't know. You're in the business of knowing first what you don't know and moving on it. That's what we're doing in this age. There's not a rush to be second. That's the gutless way people have been doing government in my county for some time. But we're waking up. We realize that we're part of what's going on in Silicon Valley. We're doing things. This man has one standing order. Don't unpack. Don't waste your time asking for my approval to go somewhere. Go. Unfortunately, now I've got the bug and I'm coming with him. But next year, there are four of these things I'm probably go. I didn't ask to go to the electric vehicle symposium. I just said, get me a register. That's a different group than I'm on. And went over to Lyon, France to see what was going on. Came back and said, I want to come here. If you truly want to be part of it, and that means the electric bike, the hydrogen bike that I saw at EVS, everything changed my entire feeling about land use. We're not doing a 10-foot wide pedestrian bridge now. We ask him to build it 16. Triple the cost. Will I catch it? Yeah. Recall me, but don't make it 10 feet. It has to be 16. We see where the future's going, and we reach for it. Nobody's striving to be second around Contra Costa now. We know we're first, and we want to go first faster. There you go. Then somebody from PTV go talk about Optima to Contra Costa. They'll bite your hand off when they see how good it is. Um, that was all the time we have, unfortunately. I'd like to just give each of the panelists a minute or so 
just to sum up what they think the points that we should take away from this. We'll start with Ahmed and then move down. First of all, I'd like to thank everyone for being here. It was really great uh, to be part of this discussion. And I think a lot of things was said and, and uh, correctly. Um, I, I, for me, personally, I think this, the next year is going to be very exciting. Uh, what is crucial is really collaboration. That's where I see that the difference is going to be made. Air places where stakeholders collaborate, and I see these three main uh, stakeholders, industry, government, and university. When, when that works hand in hand and, and in harmony, great things are going to happen. And I really, really look forward to the next years, and I'm excited about it because a lot of very, very exciting changes are about to happen. So I think um, I'm very thankful to, be, to have been part of this discussion. Um, I think there's not much to say there. It's, it's a lot to do, so let's, let's go for it, and let's do it together. Um, I'm also very um, humbled to be a uh, part of this panel, and um, I would just like to um, recap what I mentioned uh, earlier. I think that the opportunity that I see um, uh, existing, um, as, um, as mentioned a few times, harmonizing you know, uh, the technology um, across different modes, uh, including infrastructure, and also uh, making sure that you know, these three components that everybody talking about, probably are sick of hearing it again, uh, sustainability, you know, uh, safety, and congestion. They need to be there by the comprehensive solution for uh, everybody. Thank you, Paul, and everyone. Uh, it is quite uh, delightful to see uh, the evolution of the, uh, uh, the software now. Uh, particularly for us, uh, being in traffic operations, uh, uh, see the extensive use of real-time data. Uh, we really live by that. Uh, we think that the organizations uh, uh, really have an opportunity to use that, particularly in multi-scenario analysis of uh, simulation. What that tells us in many cases, what not to do, as opposed to what to do, and the use of simulation helps us uh, to really uh, do these uh, activities without uh, really uh, use of significant uh, resources. Thank you for the invitation. For a, I call ourselves a pea shooter sized organization. We're only a staff of 20 to be invited among all of you. But we're, I, would like, I would agree with the comments that have been made so far and add maybe that we're, we're, timing is sometimes everything. And as these examples of great successes are relayed out, more smaller cities and communities can go out and take a look at the results. And I think that's what we're doing. We, we were able to go to the ITIS World Congress in Melbourne and take a look at, at the Vic Roads project. And we really looked at that hard. And Interstate 680 that's headed down to Silicon Valley in front of Mr. Hudson's community is really, really congested. And we're happy to announce that we've uh, awarded a contract to begin mirroring what's going on in, in another country, all because our board allowed us to travel to take a look at that. So if you're in the government sector, take a look at some of the examples of great projects and the results of those great projects because you can modify it slightly, but you can copy those examples. And 
in my case, in my, my teams, our team's case, is we have great supporters from elected officials. I think that's the piece that we didn't talk about, that uh, if, if the, the city council of Hamburg doesn't allow any innovation, then the staff doesn't do any innovation. So, Mr. Hudson, thank you for being here today. Thank you for coming to uh, this event and, and listening to what everybody has to say, because I think that's the important piece that's missing sometimes. So, I, I really thank you for this last remark, because I think it's very important each of us is depending on you politics, men in politics and women, and it's uh, really important to work close together. Second remark, all we do in intelligence can't replace infrastructure. Um, as you told it, you have to, to widen up if, it's, uh, if it can't be avoided. We can't deal with transport only by using PTV tools. So... Uh, Nevertheless, nevertheless, we have to use those PTV tools or other tools. And I really love this AIMS initiative you took, Majid. Uh, when I saw what a broad uh, group of members you brought together for Melbourne in this initiative, I, I, uh, in, in my mind I drew my head and constated this is a, a great way to go ahead uh, because it's very important to go hand in hand, and not one um, uh, back to uh, the, turn the back to the other. So uh, I hope I have learned a lot here at this table, and we'll go home with good ideas, say thank you to you, everybody at this table, and uh, thank you for your patience. Thank you very much to our panelists, and we look forward to being in, well, an hour or so flight south of, uh, of Contra Costa, in, two year, in one year's time, and then, of course, in Hamburg in two. So we look forward to continuing this discussion and seeing whether or not some of the issues that have been raised today are starting to be uh, sorted out. But thank you ever so much for your attention and for your presence this afternoon, and thank you, everybody. <laughs>